Ciao, ragazzi, and welcome to another edition of City I Sit Down. Good things come to those who wait. Well, you, you had to wait because Richard can't figure out the technology anymore. Um, but we are World Football Index's podcast for your culture to go. I'm Frank, and once again, going forward, three-man crew, Richard, Alex, how are you, boys? I'm old! <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, I, I've been better. Uh, I've already seen our guy Anthony in the chat saying, "Hopefully, talking about Calcio will help me relive the misery of my Miami Hurricanes, who got crushed by Florida State." But honestly, I don't know if it's going to help because less than 24 hours after Miami got crushed by Florida State, I had to watch Inter lose to Juventus two nil. So this is not my week. Yeah, well, your Dolphins hung on against the Bears, so you know things work out. And I think your Panthers are are looking all right at They're least to start better. the season. Yep. So, yep. so it all it all it all balances out, and 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 you know you haven't you have beaches that you can walk out to when it all goes bad for you in the winter time. Like I live in Milwaukee, when my teams suck, I have to sit here in the freezing cold and be pissed off. <laughs> I don't take advantage it, so. of it nearly enough too, because everyone thinks, and some people go often, but everyone thinks like, oh, you live in Miami, you must go to the beach like three times a week. I go like three times a year. Like I probably don't take advantage nearly as much as I should. <laughs> It's actually kind of funny that you bring that up because it's kind of the same thing with me. Like just down the road from where I live is where this Mexican restaurant where everybody else, I mean, the, the parents from like our kids' school will go to, they'll get together at Marguerite. I, I might have, I've lived here eight and a half years. I might have been there once. Wow. So, I don't go know. to the monuments. So, yeah. I mean, you're out in, you're on DC. You don't go sightseeing like all the time. Yeah. It, it, it's there. So, once a year, maybe. Yeah. It's just like, it's 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 kind of crazy. Uh, it's kind of crazy in that regard. So, yeah. um, but uh, but anyway, so um, you know that, that's what's going on in our lives. I see Hamza's in the chat saying election night culture. We're trying to keep people out of the okay the elections. There's nothing you can do about it now. You if you did your civic duty and you went and voted, good for you. You know, after that, if more people agree with you, then you're going to be happy. If more people don't agree with you then you just sit there and you say, well, we're going to have to give the other person a chance. That's how it should be. Unfortunately, it's not. Um, and it hasn't been for quite some time. But uh, that's how I'm going to do it. I, I still have to get up and make a living and provide for my wife and kids, uh, no matter what happens with that stuff tonight. So I'm not even going to bother looking at it. And I'm in a state where it's just a, it's just brutal. Wisconsin's just brutal. But uh, I digress. So Anyway, uh, you Maryland, Florida, not as not as bad this time around. Uh, no. But man, no, uh, it's 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 pretty vicious out here. Uh, so that's that. Um, we've got Anthony in the chat as always. Frustrated with Milan's performance, incriminates it. Why are you frustrated with the performance? The performance was fine. They just didn't score. The results okay. totally my fault. So, by the so, way, it's yeah. totally my fault. Like I, I even went on record, like in our group chat. I told Frank and Richard because uh, I, I did I did win money on Napoli today. Thank you, Napoli. But then I told Frank and Richard before the Milan game started. I said I am betting Milan minus one. So if you guys don't win, you know who to blame for it. So here I am. I, I did, and, and I'm not happy about it. You might think this is an Interista who's happy about Milan not winning. I'm not happy about it because I lost money. I'd rather win money. 
There's going to be another uh, Serie A DraftKings uh, tomorrow at 11.30, 12.30 East. Mm-hmm. By the way, Lecce, Atalanta, and Sassuolo Roma uh, are those games. So yeah. um, I, we won't do a we won't do a segment on that. But but anyway, just a, a chance to throw a uh, chance to either throw some more money away or make some more money. I did pretty good in my uh, Serie A lineups today. So Kevin Agudelo at four uh, percent ownership, getting a bunch of shots and crosses and chance creation that nobody else. Nobody else knew about kind of kind of got me there because the big time Napoli players just didn't get there unless right. unless you played Zielinski or unless you did a placeholder with Zielinski in your lineup and he didn't start and you forgot to change it and he comes in there and scores. You're the worst person in the world if you do that, by the way, you know, but if you did it on purpose and intentionally, I, I don't get mad about that. But anyway, it's what it is. Um, we have a lot to cover. Uh, we have the reaction, uh, the Serie A sit down reaction of the, uh, Champions League draw, the Europa League draw and the Conference League draw. We will whip through that. Uh, we will have quick recaps of the three big games over the weekend, uh, that we all previewed At- Atalanta, Napoli. Somebody got that right. We all, hint, did, we? we all did. Give, what's that? We all, did we did. all get that right. I got the score right. We all got the score right. We all said two one. <laughs> we all said two one Napoli. Did we? I got to go back and look. look. I just I, maybe I didn't listen to you guys. Write that down. <laughs> so election night so, rigory already happening here, Frank. <laughs> and we'll also have reaction from Darby's uh, Della Capitale and D'Italia, uh, as well as the rest of everything that went down in. Oh, you're not gonna do this to me, are you? Match week thirteen. Thank you. Um, and then finish with the world's most popular hashtag game. Who won Calcio Twitter? Uh, so let's jump into it, gentlemen. The Champions League draw came out, and my immediate reaction, I went to Twitter and I said, I don't think this could have gone any better for the City Out teams. Now, granted, these are all tests in and of, in and of themselves, but we have Napoli traveling to Eintracht Frankfurt. We have... Inter hosting Porto on on the uh, this is the first leg uh, for each of these, and then we have Milan hosting Tottenham. Uh, no uh, truth to the rumor that Reno Gattuso and Joe Jordan are going to be on hand this time around, as much as we would love to see it again. Uh, but nonetheless, let's start with Alex with Inter. You get Porto. When you're sitting in that second place, you're sweating because there's Real Madrid, there's PSG, with Manchester City, you know, all of these bullets that you've got to dodge. Um, Porto comes up. How, what was your reaction? My reaction was relief. And it's and I'm, I'm not guaranteeing Inter get through to the round of eight because Porto is going to be formidable. I have no doubt about that. But when I think about like you said, in that second pot, who Inter could have drawn. I'm sure you guys felt the same way about Milan and who they could have drawn. And obviously, out of, out of any of the English sides, Tottenham is certainly the one you wanted. And I would definitely take Tottenham out of out of most of the options. In fact, as an Interista, I wanted Tottenham as much for the storylines, right? I mean, you right. know, I, I'm right. fine with Porto, but I would have loved to have seen, you know, Conte uh, on the other touchline. It would have been interesting, but... No, I mean, I, I, bottom line, fellas, I mean, not just for Inter's sake of it, um, you know, their Champions League form has actually been better by and large than their Serie A form. So I wonder if that's going to carry over into the next round. But I, I think this is winnable for them. And I, I think it's highly possible that we could see all three Serie A teams 
believe it or not, advanced to the round of eight. Richard, this is definitely going to be the best path for all three Serie A teams to make the last eighth with, with how this draw came out. But as it, as it pertains to Inter and Porto, you know, let's talk about the dangers that Porto present. First of all, they have a relatively prolific goal scorer in Mehdi Tanemi. If you've never heard of him, get ready for the World Cup and watch him for Iran because he might be the reason why Iran wins Group B. I'm, I'm actually calling that shot. I think they have a very good chance of winning that group. The U.S. hasn't been consistent. England hasn't been consistent. And I don't have that kind of respect for Wales. It's there for the taking for Iran, in my opinion. Um, So they have a player in Mehdi Taremi. Otavio is an outstanding player in terms of, you know, just, you know, not only technique, but creating chances, service, uh, you know, can do a lot of different things for you. Uh, there are many different ways that this Porto team can get at you. Very well managed. Sergio Conceição. Oh, by the way, Serie A experience. Um, is it, can you argue that as, as relieved as Inter is, they probably got the toughest draw of the three Italian teams? You're asking me? I would say um, it's up there. I mean, don't discount Frankfurt because they're Europa, Europa League winners, right? They're a good team. Um, I think uh, Hamza made the point that you know, you know, you want to play Ham, you want to play Frankfurt at home first because the second leg is big. You know, Frankfurt mm-hmm. are pretty good at home, um, but Porto is a tough draw. Uh, so it is. it is arguably the toughest draw of the three Italian teams. I mean, and any day, any given day, Tottenham can also you know do the thing as well, right? But Porto, something about these Portuguese clubs, in particular Porto and Benfica, they seem to feast on these Italian teams. We know Milan and Juventus certainly. Uh, but Inter, you know, they got to keep their heads up. If they're smart, they're going to look back at the tapes of what has happened to these previous two clubs and know that they're a real threat. Uh, you cannot take any of these three teams lightly, in particular Porto. Porto is very dangerous at home. They're very good at, on the road as well. Um, you already mentioned you know, Taremi and Otavio are, are ballers. Uh, but there's so many good talent around this team, young young Portuguese players, players of all kinds of elk there. Um, so Inter really have to be on their game. They cannot take this lightly whatsoever. And more, and more likely than not, uh, Inter will probably be sandwiched between that game with two big games, probably derbies in, uh, on either side. So it's not going to be easy for anybody, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think just, just to reiterate my stance on it, uh, it's it's mostly relief out of the idea that, Frank, I just thought for sure we're going to get matched up with Man City, something like that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. And, then, and then even after getting matched up with Porto, I thought this is going to be like last year. They're going to realize they made some goof and they're going to redraw the whole thing is what I think it was last year. Inter thought they were getting Ajax and then they redrew it and they got Liverpool. <laughs> and they actually did better against Liverpool than I thought they would. They nearly went through. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, and, you know, we'll see, you know, what the health of uh, Romelu Lukaku looks like by the time these matches are being played, because uh, I think that he is uh, – he, he is sorely missed having to watch old man Jekko try to turn back the clock to 2013, you know, this this many matches in a row. The guy needs a break. Oh, my God. I, I, I look at this, and I think that this is a, a battle of there's – a, there's a couple of battles that I think are going to be fascinating here. Um, I think that I like Inter's forwards – over Porto's center backs. But the problem that I have here is while that that Conceição plays a 4-4-2, um, Grujic is a good protector. Um, Estacchio plays with a ton of work rate. Um, Estacchio and, 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 uh, and Barella is going to be a hell of a battle yes. uh, in the midfield. But I think this gets won on the wings, okay? 
Um, how Inzaghi approaches this. You have DeMarco on the left. You can play Gozens. You got Dumfries, um, or you can play Darmian. And it wouldn't surprise me if maybe Darmian starts because Porto have a player in Galeno who was amazing for Braga, um, still kind of getting his legs under him at Porto. Wouldn't surprise me by the time we get to February that Galeno finds some form and becomes another danger man that Inter have to account for. I, I just um, hope Darmian's healthy, Frank. I it, it may not be serious to, enough to carry over this long, but uh, it, it broke sure. today. He's got a muscular injury, uh, so I, you know, ho- hopefully it's one of those things. You never know how these can go, right? If it's a Stefano right. Sensi type muscular injury, we may not see him again for a few months. Maybe maybe Darmian's a quicker healer. Four three three. I see. Well. Hamza, I've seen some, you know, the, the formation-wise, they show up in a 4-4-2. They can kind of hybrid to a 4-3-3 where Galeno jumps a little higher. Otavio maybe does some playmaking in between. As, you know, they, they they do a little bit of moving around in that midfield too. Um, so they can definitely unbalance Inter. Uh, so that's another thing you've got to look out for. Um, and I would be, you know, but I, I if, if Inter can get service into the forwards, um, I think it sets up really well. I think that um, I think that Jekyll could have an advantage in on crosses. Yeah, Diogo Costa has been fantastic. Comes, I'm yeah. He 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 stopped a penalty. He even has an assist in group play. Really? Um, yeah, <laughs> on a punt. Jesus. Um, so uh, he's he's been fantastic. He's probably he, he's arguably when you do a team of the group stage. You could arguably put Diogo Costa at goalkeeper there. I mean, you probably got arguments for other guys, but mm-hmm. um, but there's plenty of talent. The only the concern I have with Porto, I don't think they have the depth that Inter have. Um, you know, and if injuries start to pile up, suspensions start to pile up, that'll play to Inter's advantage. So we'll mm-hmm. see. Inter, I think, need to take a lead to Portugal. Okay. Yes. If they get out, if if leg one ends in a draw, it's over. Porto wins the second leg, enters out. If if Inter can take a lead to Portugal, uh, I give them a chance to get through to the last eight. So it's just the way uh, th- th- that's the way I see that one. So yeah. any other the, thoughts on this game on on mental, this matchup, guys? Yeah, it's a mental thing too, right? Because you know we've seen the great Milan teams in the past that could go down in the first leg or any point in the game and still have that confidence to come back. None of these three teams are really tested enough where if they do go down, they're going to have that confidence. Yes, in the league, sure. But this is a different animal here. And, you know, for, for Inter in this sake, they need to get that early lead uh, to give them that confidence. If they go down to Porto early at home, um, yeah. they're going to be panicking and they'll expose themselves to more counterattacks by Porto. So, you know, getting that early goal is so pivotal in this situation, especially since you're going to Porto in the second leg, which is a daunting place to play, as everyone knows. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it completely different opponents, apples to oranges. But I, I like the way that that Inter dealt with the Camp Nou in the return leg against Barcelona. I thought that they they showed a lot of character with the way that they handled that. And and again, I'm not comparing the sides. And Porto is a lot more formidable. I think there's a reason why Barcelona is in Europa League right now, and Porto wins their group, uh, pop one in Champions League. But I, I you know, it, it, they they've done well in Europe. It's like if if we could find a way to you know, have Conte come back to Inter to only coach the league games and and let uh, and let Limone coach the Champions League games. We might have something here. Hmm. Yep, yep. We'll see what happens. Great. I mean, it, it's going to be intense. You know, but like I said, Inter have to take a lead to Portugal 
you know, they've got to win that first leg. Uh, let's go to Napoli. Uh, they travel to Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, probably, I mean, they, I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, the, the, clearly the, the, the runner up for Napoli to avoid was PSG. Um, you know, and they, they had no chance of obviously drawing Liverpool because they just played them in group play. So it came down to, you know, make sure you just don't get PSG. They didn't. Uh, they're going to play this Eintracht Frankfurt side who won the Europa League a season ago. A little bit of a different setup uh, than that team that took it down, but enough to be dangerous. Um, Richard, we, we know, you know, from Bundesliga um, and uh, being a Schalke sufferer over in that league. Uh, we, we've got some players here that we have to be careful here. Uh, Hamza, I don't agree. The game, the first leg is in Germany at, at Frankfurt. I don't think Napoli have to win the first leg. I think if they come out of there with a draw, that's fine. And I think that they will, um, they might even win in Germany. They might win. Um, Kolomwani has stepped up as a striker for them. He's a dangerous guy. He's pacey. Um, but if Kim stays healthy, I think, this is a tough matchup for Kolomwani. I've, I've been blown away by Kim this year. Um, you know, I, today today he had it really easy because Empoli didn't really have anybody. Um, you know, but Daichi Kamada has take on, taken on an advanced role. And, oh, by the way, there's a little little guy by the name of Mario Goza. People might remember him um, just a little bit. Uh, so, you know, enough playmakers to make this interesting and make this dangerous. But I look at this team and I'm like, they're kind of perfect for Napoli setup wise. I think that, you know, I don't think that Kolomwani will, will be that big a threat to, I think Kim can mark him out of those two legs. I think the, the question is, is how do you deal with Goza? Does Lobotka shade there? You know, does Angisa maybe help out that I think is kind of the wild card. Uh, you know, at least for me. And I think Kamada could end up getting, with how good Napoli's midfield has been this season, I think it's somewhere that it's something where Kamada uh, gets lost in here. Now, um, you've seen Eintracht more than I have, more than more than Alex has. So paint a less rosy picture that I'm painting here. A less rosy picture? I mean, Frankfurt, they're, uh, you mentioned all the superlatives, right? They they won Europa League. They're good. they're fifth in the league this year with a game in hand. Uh, so they're only a couple points back from like top two, top three. Uh, so they're having a good season, but they're not they're not perfect by any stretch. Um, what they do have going for them is they are a good cup team. They learned that last year in the Europa League, so that's always dangerous. But you know, like like we said earlier at the top, that this Napoli team this is probably the best situation that they could have got. Uh, yeah. Yes, Frankfurt are good, but. I would imagine of all the t- possible teams, especially if you're comparing like P- PSG, Frankfurt are more apt to being starstruck with Havrashelia and Osimen than they would, you know, if it was PSG. Obviously, PSG are loaded, right? And so, especially if Napoli gets a goal early, right, and you can't contain number 77, which nobody can, uh, or if Osimen goes on these breaks, they're going to start, you know, see, start seeing the stars, and you can get a couple goals on them early quick. Uh, it's going to be easy. Hell no, right? It's not going to be easy. And the ma- they're managed very well. Uh, it's a very disciplined team. They got some ballers in the midfield, like you mentioned. Kamada is just fantastic this year, um, as in any other year. So it's not going to be easy for 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 Napoli, but I certainly think two wins is easily as easily attainable. Like and like you said, a draw on the road is perfect, right? All cup teams know this that you get a draw on the road and get a win at home. If, if you get that second leg at home, that's a that's a good recipe right there for victory. It takes you in the long term. So I think Napoli are fine here, and it's going to be a 
Certainly interesting matchup. I'm curious to see how Spalletti attacks us. I mean, the key for Napoli is going to be keep keep it simple, stupid. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't think about it too hard. You know, wait till you get to later rounds if you want to start tinkering things. But everything's working. Keep keep doing what you're doing, and it's going to work. And, and that's my question to you, having watched so much more Bundesliga. Does Eintracht do they have the defense to contend with Napoli's attacking depth? Because that that's why I feel like not only are they built well for this tournament, I think they're built especially well for this matchup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I don't I I I don't I I don't rate Kevin Trapp. As a goalkeeper, um, no, he's, not, he's not. He's not a top goalkeeper. He's good, but I mean, there's not many defenses in this in this world that can contain Napoli. Honestly, when Napoli yeah. are clicking, there's very few people that can contain him. Will they be able to stop them here and there? Sure, right? You know, and, and Kamada's going to do his best and his, and his team members to kind of stifle that midfield. That's going to be the key, right? If, if if they can kind of stifle them in the midfield, it's going to rely on, on Napoli to go into the wings and Habrashelli and Politano, Lozano, those kind of guys to get it to Osimhen. Uh, but I don't think this defense is good enough to hold him for 180 minutes. No. I mean, Tuta, Jakic, and Dika, that doesn't scare me. No. Um, you know, uh, let me just look at this here. Well, I, I just wanted... this correct. This, this is a team you still shouldn't take lightly because obviously they made a deeper in the, in the cup last year. They know how to play in the cup. But again, I, I think the talent wise, Napoli are just so far superior than them. Um, it's going to eventually wear them down. And, you know, Frankfurt might hang tight for, for a game, but um, I fully expect Napoli to move on. Man, they concede a lot of goals, though. I mean, they, they've got 20, I mean, 21 through 13 games. And I know they're in fifth in Germany, but that's, that's more goals than anybody else in the top six. And then in the top eight, the only other one that's given up more is Bremen. And that's because they played one game more and gave up six to Bayern today. So, um, yeah, so I, 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 I think Napoli will win the first leg in Germany and put this thing away in the first 90 minutes. And the second, second leg will be kind of a, one of those, um, put it away. manager way, manager way, what's that? You, you said put it away. So you think a big win? Like a three, one, maybe. I think they can win three, one in Germany. Yeah. And then they just come back and they, they come back to, to the Maradona and they just play manage, you know, they just manage it, you know? So that's the way I see it. I just, I think this is a bad matchup for Eintracht Frankfurt you know, all together. Um, well, and the way that I look at it, big picture uh, for this, I know we're going to talk about Milan and Spurs as well, but I, I, I think to me, and, and this says as much about Napoli as it does who they drew because of the incredible form that they've been in. You know, if, if Milan and Inter don't advance, I think that's forgivable. You could say, okay, well, whatever, still learning how to win again in Europe and all that. Uh, if Napoli don't get through this round, I, I think it's fair to be disappointed. And then, of course, obviously the Napoli supporters, they've got this huge lead now in Serie A and say, hey, focus on winning the league after this. It is what it is. But uh, I, I, I would be disappointed from a Napoli standpoint if they don't advance. I don't know if I'd feel the same way about Milan or Inter. It's similar mm -hmm. to Atalanta when they were on their big run, when they went deep against PSG. Those couple of years where they're so fantastic in the league, scoring goals left and right, making everyone look, look, look ridiculous. And then we were all saying, if they don't go deep in this Champions League, like it's embarrassing for us because they're dominating the league. And they go back to not go to Europa or to Champions League, and they can't do anything. We'll probably look at Napoli the same way. Uh, but I, I, this team, I think, at the moment are humming humming right now. I mean, we're looking February, you know, you know, Valentine's week when this happens, it could be a different story. We'll know that first month in Serie A if Napoli are the same team or not. I imagine they will be, but you because, know. well, it is it is winter and Luciano Spalletti is their manager. I I, mm -hmm. I think I think this team is good enough that they can overcome whatever winter drought <laughs> Spalletti had at, at Inter and Roma. But winter is coming, my friends. And with that bald manager, you do have to be a little bit concerned. Mm. 
And finally, we get Milan and Tottenham. Um, a Tottenham team that has just kind of been sputtering under, under Antonio Conte. A Milan team that is dealing with a lot of injuries right now, trying to navigate through some things. Uh, how dare Pioli rotate the team a little bit today for Cremonese and and now getting bitched at by Milan Twitter because they ended up in a nil-nil draw today, which I I need to take Milan's – we need to take Milan Twitter's hand again and walk them through life, Richard. We seem to have to do this a lot. <laughs> so, um, you know, sometimes you can't you can't run guys into the ground. That's how these injuries are happening. These guys are playing. Look at Saudi. Saudi was not with Lazio, right? Right, right. Yeah, look what happened with Saudi. Look what happened with Saudi's Napoli. They just Napoli, they were so burned out. And yeah, they were first for like the first two thirds of the season, but then they lost the title by what eight something like that. So. See Juventus, it just doesn't make any sense. So, um, I will, uh, uh, you know, Harry Kane is a matchup problem because if there's a weakness with Milan, it's crosses, it's defending crosses. Um, we've seen it time and time again, and he's a guy that can get his head on one. You got to watch out for some set pieces. Ivan Perisic will salivate at this game at these two games because he was over, you know, in just about every Derby, he Milan Derby, he played, he was excellent. Um, or I had to look at Paradisic and like, man, he's, can we account for him now, please? Can we do it? Um, conversely, how does Tottenham deal with Leo, um, in that three, five, two, I just see him finding the pockets between, Romero, I believe it's Romero that plays in the right side of that back three and Royal Royal who plays in the right wing back. And I, I see that being easy for Leal, especially with Teo coming forward. And I, I see some confusion there. What I think will help Tottenham is they've seen, Conte's seen this Milan. He's seen large pieces of it. Um, you know, so he's going to have a battle plan and he's going to be prepared. Um, where I think this tie gets one is in the mid again. I think this is in the midfield again. Uh, you know, Benton core looks like a much better player at Tottenham Hotspur than he was at Juventus. Uh, Pierre Emil Hoiberg. I have a lot of respect for, I think as a two man center midfield, they're solid. Um, even when they put a third man in there, um, it's going to be tough, but you could even see them going three, four, two, one Richarlis. It might be fit by then, uh, Kuliszewski, you know, and then son will definitely be back by then. I think he's got it. You know, he won't be there. I don't think he's making the world cup, um, uh, which is a shame for South Korea. Uh, but you know, all of the, you know, all of the attack will be back and then you're going to have Perisic on the left-hand side. I think what's going to come down to is that midfield. Can Tonali and Benacer outplay Hoiberg and uh, Bentoncourt? Or if it's, you know, or even if, you know, they might even play another guy in there. So uh, Hamza thinks Doherty will play on the right. Please, God, I hope Doherty plays on the right um, as a Milan fan. We'll just roast his ass. Between Leo and, and, and Teo Hernandez, Doherty doesn't have a prayer. Please put Doherty on the right, Conte. For all that is good and holy, <laughs> he's got. We got. We'll smoke him. Royal, I have just that much more respect for. Um, Alex, 
you're neutral enough here. What do you see here? Outside of the fact that Conte and Perisic know what it takes to beat Milan, and like you mentioned, Harry Kane on crosses is dangerous. Uh, I, I think this Milan, if they're healthy, and you know, trying to predict this on Valentine's weekend, I have to assume that they are. Uh, I, I think they can take care of business, but it won't be easy. It's going to be gritty, and everything you said. Plus, you know, we know that blueprint from for Conte against Milan. He's going to try to hit Milan on the break. He won't mind giving Milan 70% of the possession if that's what it takes because that's really not something that concerns Antonio Conte at the end of the day. It's those crisp counterattacks you have to watch out for. So Mm -hmm. I could see this one going either way. Uh, I definitely lean to Milan in this matchup because I I still just think that they they have the horses right now and it's just everything's been clicking for the past couple of seasons for the most part. So if – you guys are relatively healthy. I think Milan are going to edge it out, but I think the I think the tie is going to come down to probably a goal. I, I think it's going to be close and it's going to be gritty. Like I expect the Napoli deal to be a lot more one sided in their favor, but with Milan Tottenham, I think it's going to come down to the wire. All right, Richard. I and we haven't even talked about Giroud, the former Arsenal and Chelsea man, who will be excited about playing a, a London opponent. I've heard of him. Yeah, I'm familiar with his work. Um, you know, which attackers have been able to get at this Tottenham team. I mean, and, and, and not to mention the little fact of Mignon being back from Milan as well, um, which, okay. But Tatra San has actually been okay in relief. He, he's been serviceable in relief. Well, you know, he's had, he was shitty against Torino. Where, where he's else? not Radu. So I'll give you that. Yeah. He's not Radu. <laughs> Nobody can be Radu. Uh, but Giroud can cause that defense a lot of trouble. I agree. Um, I, I I think Milan win over the course of two legs. I I will be happy and comfortable and satisfied with some kind of a two-goal win at the San Siro, which I think they can do. Okay? Yeah. Um, but if they don't, we're going to be sweating out those 90 minutes uh, at uh, in London on the second leg. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we're going to be sweating it out. It's this house it is. It always is. It can never be easy, right? Um, I think, you know, yeah, Alex brings up a good point. Like, Conte and Paris, they know Milan. They know how to play against them, right? But if Milan and Pioli are smart, they should really study Conte, especially in Europe, because I think Hamza hit the point there is the press can beat uh, Conte's teams. We saw Inter struggle mightily when Conte was there. Uh, in Europe, especially, remember, Dynamo Zagreb? Constant pressure and causing Inter all kinds of chaos. Milan are a pressing team. They 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 model their pressing after Bayern Munich's pressing game. Uh, and if they can put the back pressure on that defense, who's you know okay, but you know with pressure on you, you can get the ball away. Um, so Milan, obviously, gonna have to watch the counterattack because I think that is where gonna it's gonna kill them. Right? It's where those those moments where you're not. It's not. It's all. Um, all scrambling, all chaos is going on where you're not sure where your marker's supposed to be. That's when Milan can be had because they're, they're pretty bad in those situations. We saw that Chelsea explored us big time in those situations and also set pieces, like you said, Frank. Those are also areas that Milan should be concerned about. But mm-hmm. overall, I think Milan are the better team uh, when healthy, fully healthy. And I expect with the pressing that they do and some of the, the X factors that they have, Leao, Giroud, Teo, uh, Magnon, um, they should be able to get a win. It's not going to be easy. It's probably, you know, we're looking at a one goal game until probably the last 15 minutes in this out of two legs. 
um, make you sweat it out, but I think this Milan team is certainly good enough. I think healthy, all three Italian teams should be able to win. We'll see mm. if they're going to be healthy after the World Cup to see who's who's available, who's not. But uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, certainly a tight affair, and you know uh, we'll probably all be you know grayer uh, by the time this is all said and done. I'm going to at this point knee jerk reaction. I'm going with Milan going through, Napoli going through. Cover your ears, Alex. I think Porto just Nick Inter. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame you. I don't blame you for saying that. Um, you know, I, I a lot of it to me, it's going to be dependent on Lukaku, who I'm assuming is going to be back healthy by that point. Um, you know, is, is he fully fit? Does he suffer any sort of a setback? Uh, but you know, I I think they can edge it out with Lukaku back, but it's it's not going to be easy. Hmm. Yep. Um. Let's quick jump into the Europa League. That draw came out. Uh, Juventus will play not uh, in the opening in the opening leg in the playoff round. Roma travel to FC Salzburg, um, huh. which Milan, who Milan just played. Um, all right, so Salzburg had their problems w- with Milan, who you know prefer to have the ball, prefer to be more possession oriented, etc., etc., etc. You know, now it's a Roma team that they're going to hit on the counter and they're going to invite. This is going to make Sesco a little dangerous. It's going to make Okafor a little dangerous. Um, Seibolt I like in this setup. Um, and then Volber uh, for, for, for Salzburg. I think those are the four guys I rate in that team. This isn't the same Salzburg of the last few years, but enough to cause a problem or two. Um, Roma are going to try to hit these guys on the break. Okay, and that, that that's what I see over the course of both legs. Um, you know, Hamza think Roma are out. I, I'm not sure. I think I think that they'll frustrate Salzburg. I don't I, like we talked about with Ajax last week. I don't think this is the Salzburg of the last few years. I think they've lost enough where they're going to have a harder time against these bigger teams. Um, it won't be pre- it won't be pretty. But I think Roma barely go through. Now, the Juventus not tie. We're going to see if Juventus even care, first of all. Right, exactly. And if they don't, Mohamed's a good goal scorer for not. Um, Ludovic Blas, if not, they're invested in this, which they probably are going to because I don't think they're playing really well in Liga. They got nothing else to go for. Yeah, they got nothing else to go for. So this is it for them. So you're you're going to see a lot of Blas. And I like him. I rate him. And I don't know if Juventus midfield, as they currently have, have a guy that can stop him. Um, it's when he gets between those lines, will he create something dangerous and cause some problems? Um, and then guys like Muhammad that can score. And and there's a couple of other guys when I watched not play recently that kind of that I that I that I have some respect for. Um, but you know, the dynamic is is if Juventus care. This not team can't defend, you know, and and I I would venture to say that when Vlaovic is healthy and if they want to put him up front or even Milik, <clears throat> the dynamic of Quadrado on the right, Kostic on the left, putting putting crosses in, pumping crosses in, putting the ball in either of their heads, or even McKenney coming in and attacking from the midfield once he's fit. Key <laughs> could wreak if, havoc as well. Okay. If we assume Juventus is invested in this, they brush not aside. Yeah. But we don't know that. So let's just assume, under the assumption Juve br- brush not aside, 
Roma are going to just get by Salzburg. I don't think it's going to be comfortable. So, um, but I think they're going to have enough to just get by. Uh, what do you guys think of those those ties? Is, is this though? Is is this Juve's best chance to win a trophy? Because I mean, at some point, I mean, listen, I, I know it's still November, but you kind of have to look at at uh, at the Scudetto race right now and say it's you know it's a one and a half team race right now. I mean, it's you know this uh, unless Napoli does their old school Napoli thing and I think this team may be different than the Napoli of years past I mean this this honestly this might be Juve's best chance to take home some hardware and with that European hardware being so elusive for them maybe Europa League could be their best chance to bring one home uh, European DNA Europa DNA I should say yeah uh, throw in the shade I, I, you know I, I, well, I, I agree this is Juventus's best opportunity to win a trophy but we also should forget to not forget that this is the same team that lost to Maccabi Haifa. Um, yeah. This is not the Juventus of old. This is not the Allegri. But yes, they look good lately. Rabio looks like Zidane right now. I'm joking about that. But Kostic, <laughs> Kostic is clearly their best player in terms of when he does well, the team does well. So much happens because of him. He's been stellar as of late, and, and Juventus have played well. And they're up to, what, fifth in the table or something like that. So yeah. um, they're certainly going to be – they should be favorites. Will they play like that? I don't know. Um they, who says, uh, who says Juventus can't buy buy things in Europe, right? They they got not. I don't know how they got not, but they got them, and it should be an easy win. But I don't see it as easy win. Um, it's gonna be a lot closer than Juventini want for sure, and, and a lot closer than any of us in City are thinking because this should be an easy no brainer, two games done, two two easy victories. But uh, I would not be surprised at like maybe a score a, a draw in the in the first game, and then. Juventus leaving it late to try to win it. I mean, it, it's going to be tight for Juventus. They should, but on paper, easily win this game. It, it win this two legs. But um, I'm not convinced yet of Juventus. They've 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 stunk it up most of the season. Um, yeah, they look good at the moment, but I'm still not convinced yet. And who knows? Well, you know, come the World Cup, maybe a lot of their guys who are going get injured even more so than they already are. Right? Uh, luckily, Kaze is not going to the World Cup. Uh, but uh, yeah, it should be a no-brainer. Um, I'm gonna say Juventus are gonna go through, but it's not gonna be easy. I can't, I can't bet on Allegri at the moment yet, not just yet. So we think Juve and Roma go through. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's I go mean, to the conference leg um, real quick. Lazio draw Cluj. Uh, they host Cluj, uh, Cluj from Romania. That's gonna be in the first leg, and then Fiorentina travel to Braga uh, in Portugal. Okay, I, I think Fiorentina's out. I like yeah. this Braga team. They're, they're, now listen, the defense is leaky and they can concede some goals, but man, there's some there's some good players here. Ricardo Horta, Vitinha, Abel Ruiz, uh, Nuno Sequeira on the left-hand side as a left back. Um, there's some talent in this Braga team. Simon Banza, if, if they play him, uh, is going to be a problem too. And I just don't think Fiorentina has properly coped with the every playing every three days. And I think that if you're, this is the time to get them. I think Braga is going to be serious about trying to, trying to win this thing. Um, Cluj and Lazio actually played each other in 2019 in the group stage in the Europa League. Cluj won in Romania 2-1. Lazio won 1-0. Uh, the captain of Cluj, Ciprian Deac, is still there playing for them. They, they've, they've got him put together somehow. <laughs> um, 36 years old and he's still going at it. I think he's like got he's second on the team in goals. Uh, he's a young guy compared to us. What's that? That's he's true. a young guy compared to us. 
Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. We shouldn't be making too much fun of him. It's weird we? when you see like a foot. Like I, I talk about Jacko being old, but I think I've got like three years on him. It's a weird thing we do with footballers. Like I'm 38 years old. I look at some of these 34, 35. We're like, oh, God, how old is that guy? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to say this. Fiorentino going out to Braga. Lazio are going to knock out Cluj. And I think Lazio are just beyond motivated to win to win because Roma just won this competition. And yeah. what is how is that going to look if if Lazio can't even make the last four? Losers tournament. It's a losers tournament. Yeah. You better win exactly. the losers tournament then. What do you guys think? I think Lazio have too much uh, not to win this round. I don't know if they're going to win the tournament, but I think they're going to win this round. Richard? Yeah, you know, I, I certainly think Fiorentina are out. Uh, as much as I like Fiorentina, Braga are legit. Um, but Cluj, it should be, and I, and I agree with what you're saying about, you know, they're motivated to win and this and that. But then I keep looking back at how they did against teams like, like Sturm Graz. Right, mm-hmm. a team that they probably should have been better. Well, they were certainly better talent-wise, but couldn't get it done. And now they're sitting with third in in, in Serie A. That is looking kind of pretty at the moment. And yeah. it's like, how invested are they going to be in? Yes, you want to do what Roma did and, and and get the trophy in the losers tournament. But I don't know, man. I think this Cluj team is is a team you have to worry about. They're what third or something in? As my lights go out, uh, they're third in. Uh, in the Romanian league, this is still a good team. I think Lazio are going to overlook them. I, I say Lazio are going out too. Okay. Okay. So that's our roundup on Europe. Uh, at City, I sit down on Twitter or Instagram, your reactions to what you heard from us. We had three big games on the peninsula over the weekend. We all narrated, we're, those who narrated, the, if you narrated the preview, you're going to narrate the re, you're going to narrate the result. We're going to start with Saturday's game, which I can't believe four days ago this was first versus second. First is still first, but <laughs> second is not second anymore. Alex, take that one away. Well, and former second actually scored the opening goal. This one, Lookman on a on a penalty. So you thought, hey, maybe there's something going on there in Bergamo. Maybe Atalanta will hold on, but Napoli got the equalizer just four minutes later. Victor Osimhen at the 23rd minute and. Elif Elmas at the 35th minute. Napoli go on to win this game, Frank, 2-1, to one, and really stamp an exclamation point in their lead right now. They're eight points atop the table. Uh, yeah, I think at this point they could sleepwalk their way into the all-important winter Scudetto. Still a little bit more work to do to win the actual <laughs> Scudetto, but they, they are off to a fine, fine start. They're positively flying right now. If anybody bothered to listen to us last week, this game went exactly the way we all thought it went, not just in the scoreline, but in how the game flowed. We yeah. said Napoli would have more of the ball. Uh, we said that Zielinski would be a bit of a problem for Atalanta's midfield to cope with. He was. Uh, he had an assist. He created another chance in this game. Uh, you know, didn't look terribly – I mean, he, he, he lost a few balls in this game. But granted, he wasn't perfect in the performance, but – um, and we also said, don't be surprised if Atalanta try to, uh, equalize. We th- we said, you know what, wouldn't be a total shocker if Atalanta found a way to get a second and they came close yeah. more than once. I think there was four big chances in this game where they could have made this two, two, and this could have been a draw and we could have been talking about a totally different thing. So, um, I mean, this tick, 
all the boxes of what we expected in this game. Uh, Victor Ossiman obviously continues to score. Um, I don't know what uh, uh, Spalletti puts in Juan Jesus' smoothie, uh, but apparently it's working. <laughs> so, um, or what he has the team nutritionist putting in his smoothie. So, but apparently it's working because every time we see Juan Jesus run out there for Napoli, we think, oh, this is where Napoli's going to suck because they're playing Juan Jesus. And then he plays well. Uh, so, um, you know, it, it, it's been good. I think if there were some concerns here for Napoli, I thought Angisa and Labotka got a bit overrun in this game. And when I think when you got some guys with some talent and with some technique, I think that those are the ways you can get at them. It wasn't the sharpest. I think today against Empoli, clearly Lobotka and, and Angisa were much, much better, but it wasn't hard to with what Empoli put out there. But um, th- those would be the areas of critique I would have uh, for Napoli. And then the other thing that I think that I think that Napoli fans should be concerned about that right-hand side in the attack uh is turning into a problem now. Now Chucky came through. Chucky scored a penalty today against uh, against yes. Empoli, um, and then he came through and he gave them a boost when when he came on. But he struggled in this game overall, um, and uh, and then you look at the game today. Politano and Di Lorenzo uh, didn't particularly play well on that side either. Uh, and had a hard time figuring out what to do against what Empoli was doing in their low block. So I know I'm kind of carrying into what Napoli did today a little bit. Uh, but if there's a – if I want to nitpick at this Napoli team, because whenever I see a team that's in first, I, I poke holes. Okay, that's just what I do. And right now I think that if you got enough skill, you can overrun. You know, right now you're showing some signs where Lobotka and Angisa can be overrun. Maybe that was a one-off against Atalanta, but I think the quality of play on the right-hand side, the chance creation, and some of the other things that are going on with Napoli, I think it needs to be a little bit better. They need to start doing that. Otherwise, it's going to turn you're going to turn into a Milan where teams are going to prepare for you, and they're going to shade everything over in the direction of Quadiscalia or whoever's playing on the left, and then make sure you double mark Alcimen and know where he is in the box. So those are the things that that I do take away a little bit when I'm watching this Napoli team of late. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a fair shout. Um, no team is perfect, right? Uh, even the Invincibles weren't perfect, right? Uh, it, this team has some, you know, some things they should focus on. You know, another area of concern for me is is the goalkeeper. I don't know if he's ready for the limelight just yet. He's done well to this point, but when the time comes and it gets really really tight at the end of the season, can he bail them out? He needs to win some games for them. Every City Out winner has a goalkeeper that saves them, wins games for them, right? Even Handanovic did it with Inter uh in his late years right but uh yeah this team you know is certainly humming at the moment they're 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 so well coached at the moment i think it's they're keeping it simple when they when i mean my big worry with them is they're injury away from being really really in trouble imagine you know knock on wood how about goes down they become very predictable at that point right um we hope the guy that's Osiman stays healthy. He just came back from from injury. He's playing fantastic at the moment. Kind of what we expected him to when he first came over. But this team, they're still got a lot to worry about. They're they have really good depth. They do. Uh, they're one of the deeper teams in the league. Um, but it's they're by no means perfect. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, 
eight point lead, it's nice to have at this time, you know, and you can probably forgive some of the shortcomings that they may have. Uh, but like I said, once teams start to read you, you're going to have to adjust. Does Do they have a plan B or C or whatever? We'll see. But uh, at the time, everything's at the time, things are working for them right now. They That they are. That they are. So how about the uh, Derby della Capitale, Richard? What happened there? Derby della Capitale, yeah, big, big game. Uh, trends were saying, you know, you look at the trends the last five games, you know, Games going back and forth, back and forth. All indications were that Rome were going to win. But if anybody listened to me, mm. that's <laughs> going to break that trend. Um, and in this game, for sure, you know, I don't remember which which derby it was. It might have been two derbies ago. But uh, the goal that happened was very similar to that last derby where Immobile in that game intercepted a pass from the defender, one-on-one the keeper and scored a goal. This game, Ibanez, who knows what the hell he was doing. He might have been the guy, the culprit last time. Uh, Ibanez fingered up his ass or whatever. Pedro pounces on him, gets the rebound or gets the ball, goes over to uh, Felipe Anderson. He scores a goal. Who knew at that time it was going to be the long goal of the game? He came out with the yeah. 28 minute of the game. one nothing. Great way to start the derby. Uh, and you're thinking we're going to have lots of goals in this game. Uh, there weren't any other goals. Lazio win one nothing. I mean, frankly, the quality, the quality chances were low in this game. I thought they were mm. very limiting in terms of how quality the shots were. It was still an entertaining game overall because it was back and forth, a passion, obviously lots of yellow cards. Uh, but a huge mistake by Ibanez, a guy who constantly makes his mistakes, it seems like, not constantly, but he's known to make these kind of mistakes, bit him in the ass again, bit Roma in the ass, uh, and they lose one nothing in a – I mean – Whenever you lose a game like this, you want it to be a beautiful, beautiful goal, not a goal where you make a stupid mistake and another team capitalizes on it. Uh, but it was that kind of, it was that close of a game where a mistake cost one team the game, and uh, this is what happened in this game. But yeah, uh, big victory for Lazio, and they moved to what third in the table now. Uh, who who would have saw that coming? I'm obviously sorry, sorry against Mourinho in their second years is always going to be entertaining, but uh, sorry gets the edge in this one. Well, you were right, first of all, about the physicality. There were 32 combined fouls uh, in this game. Yeah. And uh, let me see how many. Uh, five five yellow cards total, three for Lazio, two for Roma. You know, Lazio gave up a ton of possession in this one, fellas. That it's just, it, like you said, it was not a lot of great scoring chances. Uh, Roma had more total shots, but a lot of wasted opportunities. Lazio did a lot better. They were more clinical with the fewer opportunities that they had. And this is one of the – I think this comes down again. Anytime you've got a derby, they don't always go the way you expect because I, I guess, you know, Richard, I know you were the guy to pick Lazio. Frank, I, I know I picked Roma. Did you pick Roma as well? I picked I picked Roma, and it's kind of funny because the way this game played out, it was completely the opposite of what I anticipated. I mean, really? I, I thought that Lazio would have more of the ball than Roma would, especially when you saw the lineups and you sit, yeah. especially when you saw that – Luis Alberto was starting, uh, you know, that, and you had Danilo Cataldi who was also pretty good with it, pretty good on the ball, uh, you know, in terms of passing and in terms of his range. And then you've got Pedro Zaccagni. These guys, I, I thought that it was going to be Roma that dropped off because none of these Roma guys scream possession dominance. I don't, I don't really feel that way about Zalewski, Cristante, Camada, Karsdorp. I do about Pellegrini. Um, I don't feel that way about Zaniolo. I think Zaniolo is a guy that you want to be able to unleash on the counter. And, and Roma took the ball, couldn't really do anything productive with it. 
you know, Richard, yeah, we want to have a game decided by a beautiful goal, but you know, games like this sometimes just get decided by an odd goal too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's what happened here. Um, so the way this game played out was a complete surprise to me. I, I didn't script it this way at all. I thought that Roma was going to let Lazio have the ball, beat them on the counter, you know, get out with a win. And how about Lazio? They, they've got some big wins against some good teams here now. Um, yeah, you know, here early Atlanta, on in the season. Roma, Inter. Yeah. 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 So, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm a little surprised at how this game turned out. Happy for our Lazio friends, uh, you know, for the win and congratulate them. But uh, wow, I, you know, you know, totally blindsided by how that how that game was played out. You would have thought Saudi's Lazio would have been what fifty five percent possession, forty one percent or forty. Yeah, yeah, crazy. So. Uh, Juve and Inter, the Derby d'Italia, uh, Juve two Inter nil, uh, goals by Adrian Rabio. man, the man can't stop scoring from the midfield, can he? And then, uh, Nicolo Fagioli, two assists from, uh, Philippe Kostic, who was outstanding. Um, I, I really like what Juve did in this game. Inter had, you know, how, how do you make, uh, Inter uncomfortable? How do you make this class of Inter players uncomfortable? Let them have the ball. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. They were possession dominant against Pilsen. They were going to be, and they were going to look great. Everybody looks great against Pilsen. But if you can, if you can defend, if you can frust- frustrate them, um, you know, try to take away some things. Sure, certainly with the quality that they have up front with Jekyll and Martinez, they're going to get their chances. Um, you know, Jekyll, uh, had a couple of shots, nothing crazy, um, nothing dangerous. Mar- Lautaro Martinez, you know, had one, had that one big chance that he that he couldn't take care of. Chesney was outstanding, getting the four saves. Uh, Kostic was outstanding in terms of being the guy that they found going forward on the counter, you know, and playing some of those crossing balls in. I was this was a. I thought this was a, a, a game where we've been dogging Allegri all season, Alex, but to your dismay, Allegri got this one right. And I'm I'm pretty disgusted with the way that Inter played, quite honestly. Um, to not be able to get a point against that Juventus, especially without Vlahovic, a tremendous missed opportunity. You know, I... I, I'd like to say that I'm I'm disgusted with Inzaghi. Maybe I'll give him a little bit of a break for this one because he wasn't the one out there missing sitters, right? And Inzaghi didn't tell Denzel Dumfries, let's have, you know, one of the worst misses in Inter history. He didn't mm-hmm. tell <laughs> Jekko to mishandle all those balls. He didn't tell Lautaro to bottle a chance. But at the same time, guys, if I look big picture at the way Inter has started this season, and yeah, you know, for what it's worth, they'd gotten, I think, four straight domestic victories heading into this one. But, you know, against inferior competition, uh, they have completely shit the bet against good teams and decent teams this year. I mean, they they already have, you know, head-to-head losses. We're not even talking draws, right? Head-to-head losses against Milan, against Juventus, against Lazio, against Roma. They've got five losses. Udinese, you throw them in there, that, that was the fifth loss. The last time Inter had five losses this early in a season, this stage of the season was 2013. You know, so we're talking like the early parts of the banter era. So it's 
too much talent to be dropping every single game. And I, and I thought that part of the approach for this one, while again, Inzaghi wasn't the one missing sitters out there, I thought Inter were way too content early in this game to kind of set the tone where we're going to play cautious and we're going to be very cagey and kind of try to beat Allegri at Allegri's game, which I, I never thought. I thought they should have been more aggressive and played mm-hmm. on the front foot from the beginning. So I thought that that from a mentality was a big mistake because, you know, the first half of this game, uh, Inter may have had the better chances in the first half, but they, they they weren't really doing enough to press and be aggressive. I thought in the first half, both sides looked like they were just playing not to lose. And mm-hmm. that that's in Allegri's DNA. And, you know, for the better part of his coaching career, it's worked very well for him. That's not really, or at least it shouldn't be Simone Inzaghi's DNA, not when you have the better talent on the pitch. So, um, again, like when you're talking about whether it's like an actual city versus city derby or Dar- derby d'Italia in this case, uh, sometimes you don't get the results you expect. And, it, you know, going to the J, it's, you know, historically, it's never an easy thing to do. But uh, Inter should have gotten something out of this game. And, you know, I, I predicted a draw. I wasn't going all in on Inter. I, I thought something weird would happen in this one and, and nothing. There were no referee shenanigans or anything like that. Uh, it was all Inter's fault. I mean, they, they yeah. should have at least gotten a point out of this game. Hmm. Richard, um, is it is it is it an issue of is it is it time for Inter to do something different here? You know, looking at it from a from a neutral perspective. I mean, do they have to? I mean, right now, part of the problem for me is I look at their midfield and I said, well, well, when they do get countered, who's protecting that back three? Um, because I don't think that we, we always argue about Juventus's midfield and say, <laughs> who's the protector? We just love the same. We just they're all, yeah. They're all the same guy. And then you look at Inter now and you're looking at a Barella, uh, Chalhanolu, uh, Mkhitaryan midfield. And you're saying, who's the ball winner there? You know, that if they get behind, if someone gets behind those three guys, where's the problem? And then you got Dumfries playing on the right hand side. Okay, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let Costich cheat, and then we'll figure out what to do with Dumfries, and I will get it to Costich, and let him let him pump balls in, and let him be dangerous on that side, and let him have space to work with. Um, is Inzaghi all of a sudden just? Is he? Is I mean, five losses. I mean, this is against. Seven sisters, you know, four of the seven sisters plus Udinese. Is yeah. this something to be concerned about now? Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, clearly it, it's – but what do you do? I mean, it's really hard to bring in a manager that can motivate this team that's playing a specific system. And and I don't think there's an ability to, to adapt. I mean, are, is, is Inter in a, bit a little, in, in a little bit of a jam here? I, I think, honestly um... – at least as far as this season goes, like at the end of the season, they'll evaluate Inzaghi. Uh, I, I don't think this is going to be a midseason sacking. And part of that is because I, I don't think they have the funds to kind of reinvent the wheel in January. Like if, yeah. they, if they were able to go out and make a couple of big splashes in the January window to 
maybe they could, you know, bring in a new manager with a different formation, then maybe they'd consider it. But with the, the way it is financially and with the way the team's setting up, I mean, Simone, I know that there's some reading some things in the Italian news today that basically they're going to potentially have a meeting with him after the Bologna match tomorrow, depending on how that goes and kind of sort things out. I don't think he's in any imminent danger of being sacked. Maybe if they have some horrific loss to Bologna, you may do what you have to do. But um, I, I think it's as much of, you know, I, I know you look at, at Inter and you can say, well, that that's a deep squad on paper. But I, I don't think I don't think they're as deep as people give them credit for, because they certainly have a big Dumfries problem right now. I mean, if he gets sold in January, it's about six months too late. And the, the attack is just too thin and too tired. And the midfield has gotten very tired with the way Barella gets run into the ground and for how long they've had to manage uh, without Marcelo Brozovic being being in there or being fully fit. So, I mean, I, I don't think that this squad, and they're not even as deep at center back really as they were uh, even a season ago. So I, I don't think that this team is as deep as it actually appears to be when you examine, you know, the actual tactical depth. Uh, you know, may, maybe, you know, the World Cup break is going to do them some wonders. I think they've got one friendly that they've scheduled during that time against Real Betis. Uh so I, I think it's as, it's as much a problem with the legs. And I know I've already said it a couple times on this episode when it comes to the lack of attacking depth, because you can't expect 36-year-old Edin Dzeko to have, you know, 75-plus minutes in his legs twice a week. Uh, you know, if, no. if Lukaku can get back and, and be fully fit, I think it's going to take so much pressure off. And he's a guy who can actually take on more defenders one-on-one -on -one and hurt people with his pace. I think that's something really needed because uh, – you know, Lautaro needs to be in a certain kind of a rhythm. Like Lautaro can't always just create something out of nowhere. Uh, so I, it just kind of, they just don't have the sort of attacking teeth and options that they should, unless Jekko is, you know, running around like a 30 year old and you don't get that from him consistency consistently. Cause he is 36. Hmm. You should get rid of a doggy. You should blow it all up. No, I really shouldn't. But um, I think I think Anthony brings up a good point. I mean, the ownership issue is a big issue. We keep hearing this rumors about someone else going to come in eventually. Who is it? Maybe it's an American. Uh, oh, Richard, it's the biggest tease in the world because anytime they're close to needing to sell the team, because there's I, I don't I don't know I don't claim to understand Chinese politics, right? But there's always this stuff about how. Chinese government won't let you invest in foreign businesses so you can own it. You can't spend money on it. Yep. And then every time you read these headlines like, oh, Inter will be forced to sell the team because the Chinese government. The next day, Chinese government is uh, is softening their stances on foreign. Sooning will keep Inter. It's like, why? Wow, you just make up your mind. Do they have to sell it or not? Just sell it or don't sell it. Just make yeah. up your mind. Yeah. And, I, you know, it, it is in Zagi, but I don't think they'll do anything in Zagi because – they're in the group stages of the Champions League now. Uh, that's where they weren't with, with Conte. Yeah, Conte won the Scudetto with, with Inter, but never got them out of the group stage. And Doggy's doing this, right? And you can even look back. I, I You know, we can say what we want about the, the place in the table and how it's not desirable at the moment. Um, I mean, we can – Frank and I can look back to 2007 when Milan won the, when Milan won the Champions League. They finished, what, fourth or fifth in the table that year. So right. you can't always look Liverpool when they won the, the, the title. They were fourth or something in the table too. So like you can never look at that and base that on the manager. You shouldn't at least because if you're you may you know you may be good on one front, but you're not gonna be good on all fronts necessarily. Unless you're I can't think of a team who won the triple Real Madrid, right? Um, so yes, things are bleak at the moment, uh, but the players got to step up, right? You mentioned you know Dumfries, you know 
bricks hitting the post from like two inches away. Brick um, freeze. Midfield <laughs> brick freeze. The midfield got outplayed by yeah. Juventus. I mean, Kostic embarrassed uh, Barella uh, several times in that game. You know, the guys got Chalanola was poor in that game. Uh, Mkhitaryan didn't do much. They got to do better. And you you play in a team like Juventus, who has yeah, they have some players, a Kostic and some, a couple other guys. You should do you should win that midfield battle and should make it much more difficult. And they didn't. And they didn't, you know. Uh, and so I think that Zaghi, like Frank said, he's not out there. He's not missing those those balls. But he could set up the team better, too. And if they're not playing, he needs to rotate these guys out. You can just stick with the guys who got me to this point. You know, you got to keep things fresh, challenge for positions, right? When, it, when you got several players challenging for different positions, it makes the team much more competitive and much and much better team. Um, we need to see maybe more of that because they, they didn't have the, the Derby intensity that you want to see from at least from the midfield point of view. Uh, Skriniar certainly brought in the game, several others too. But um, that's really the big thing for me because, I mean, Inzaghi, yeah, he's been doing bad, five losses in, in the league. But, again, he's in the second – he's in knockouts of, of Champions League and they could make it to the to the round of eight, right? And if you right. do that, you really have to outlook the, the league there. Can they win the Champions League? I doubt it, but you never know. They get hot in the Champions League, anything is possible. Um, so – yeah, I just think the players are going to do better when it comes to the league play, uh, especially in a big game like, like we just had against Juventus. they they got to do a lot better, man. Barella cannot be pushed around by Kostic, left in, left out, uh, all game long. It's it's it's, it's not it's not what we expect from Barella. He's, he's yeah. near world class, yeah. uh, and he didn't even look anything like it. You know, and totally, and I, th- I think we can agree that it's like I – I'm frustrated with Inzaghi for certain big picture things. I don't know how much I can blame him for this match because, again, he's not the one out there missing sitters. That that, that was that was an issue. I mean, let's answer Cena's question real quick because we got to keep moving, keep this moving. Can they finish top four? Yeah, I mean they're only three points out right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. Um, do they finish top four? Uh, I, we've played 13 games, 14. Yeah. Some of them played 14. We've got a long way to go. Yeah. Um, we we all picked Inter to finish top four. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna get off that horse yet. So, no. I I I say they correct this gets corrected and that they're gonna work their way back up. Well, because we so. we'd seen and one of the reasons why this match was so frustrating is we we'd seen signs of them correcting it because obviously it was against inferior opposition, but they had been clicking in their past half dozen games. Yeah. You know, albeit the uh, the the two 0 loss uh, to Bayern that you know didn't mean anything because both teams had their places decided uh in in that group but uh, other than that inter had been on a decent run so it looked like they'd been taken a step forward and now they've taken two steps back hmm. all right uh as far as the rest of the weekend is concerned let me pull that up real quick here guys uh we started with friday it was friday uh udinese and lecce playing to a 1-1 draw lorenzo colombo in the 33rd minute beto in the 68th minute uh, honors even there at the Frioli. Uh, on Saturday, Empoli with a shock 1-0 win over Sassuolo. Um, I guess shock on brand name. Uh, Tommaso Baldanzi, young player, man. We like this guy a lot. Uh, scoring in the 64th minute, uh, winning for Empoli. Uh, Salernitana and Cremonese, 2-2 draw there. Uh, Piantec, pum, 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 scoring. In the third minute, David Okereke in the 12th. Lasana Koulibaly giving uh, Salernitana the lead back in the 38th. And then it was Daniel Chofani in the 89th, making it 2-2. The other Saturday game that we did not talk about yet, Milan 2, Spezia 1. 
Teo Hernandez in the 21st minute, giving them the lead. Milan Loney, Daniel Maldini uh, equalizing in the 59th minute. And then in the 89th minute, the goal of the week for me, Olivier Giroud, uh, flying and doing things that an old man like him shouldn't be doing, uh, but does anyway, uh, scoring the winner, properly getting uh, sent off for taking off his shirt too. Um, Possibly cost him a game today. Probably cost him the two points today against Cremonese, but uh, I think the players on the pitch not finishing cost him the two points because there were enough chances without him. Um, I'm not going to make those excuses. But anyway, uh, Sunday, Bologna and Torino went at it. Uh, Bologna winning 2-1, starting to play a little bit better on Tiago Mota. Uh, Sasa Lukic with a penalty for Torino. It was Ricardo Orsolini in the 64th. Stefan Posh looking really good uh, here in recent games, playing on that right-hand side in the back for Bologna uh, with the winner, assisted by uh, Roberto Soriano. Uh, Monza beating 10-man Hellas Verona by two goals to nil. Uh, The... Uh, red card came in the 27th minute for Verona. Carlos Augusto in the 68th. Andrea Colpani in the 90th. Uh, in the in the uh, Sampdoria Fiorentina game, 2-0. Uh, it was Giacomo Bonaventura in the 4th minute uh, on an assist from Dodo. Nikola Milenkovic uh, heading home. Was it a header Again, by, from Cristiano Berdaghi? It's been a few days. Yeah. Uh, don't remember now. It's been a few days. <laughs> it has to be a header. Yeah, if it was from Bernaghi, uh probably off a corner. So, uh, and that is the wrap on the rest of the games from this weekend. Anything you guys took from those? Some nice, I mean, some nice goals. Uh, Okareke had a fantastic goal. Daniel Maldini, obviously, as well, and Giroud with that fantastic goal. Um, yeah, that was a decent weekend overall. Um, not too bad. Uh, I see Giallo Rossi, USA is asking between Lazio, Atalanta, Juve, Roma, who and Inter who would make top four for me. Inter and oh shit, uh, Atalanta. Oh, I see. I go Inter and Juventus. As crazy as that may sound, I was gonna say, I was gonna say Lazio or Atalanta. I can't decide, but I don't know. I, you know, maybe Lazio. They, they there's just something clicking with them this year. I mean, maybe it's just Sadi's second season. You know, I don't know. Continuity, playing a little bit more Sadi ball. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I do think in, I do think Inter make it though. I, I can be uh, I can be one of the most pessimistic Interisti. Like if anyone you know if anyone who watches the show doesn't know me that well thinks oh this guy the biased Interista. Well, I'm not quite as pessimistic pessimistic as my guy Nima who basically. I was gonna say uh, you and Nima are the 50-50. Nima's way worse. Like Nima Nima's probably worried about relegation right now. I'm not quite there. Like I, I'm I'm worried about top four. He's worried about staying up and Serie A. But I I could be quite pessimistic. Um, I would say I, I'm gonna stick with the top four that I have. It was Milan, Napoli, Inter, Roma. So, um. I'll, uh, I'll 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 stick with that until we get to a point where one of those teams aren't good enough where I have to give up. So long, yeah. long way to go. We've played 13, 14 games so far. Plenty of time left. So um, now that we have gone through all of that, let's move on to the world's most popular hashtag game. Who won Calcio Twitter? Richard, lead us off, man. Hold on, I, I gotta. I'm on my laptop here. I gotta try to figure this one out here. Okay. Uh... <laughs> Starting off, Nicholas, uh, Nicholas from the Calcio guys tweeted this, and it was uh, Lazio and Roma banter on Twitter, uh, and it's uh, these women having to mid off. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Nicholas. That is fantastic. That is, is pretty good. I love it. Nick. Okay, moving over to at Troll Football, uh, RB Salzburg on TikTok. 
I gotta get the audio going. Hold on, hold on. I gotta, you gotta hear oh, this. There thing. we go. Unmute. We know that we are. We're all stars, <laughs> and we see that we're all in this together. And it shows when we stand hand in hand, make our dreams come true. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's Salzburg. That's RB. That's Salzburg with the tweet there. So. Jeez. All right. I think uh is it Galliani Stan that is the next nominee here? Uh it is yes, it is. Yes, it is. You're gonna have to read the whole thread though. Okay. Uh Darby Delacopi Tally Memory Bank AS Roma edition. Uh Lego City bonus points for remembering which game the Montella celebration was from or why Mapu Yanga and Biwa's goal in 2014-2015 was celebrated so vigorously. Four-eyed Baldi at Galianistan replying to that saying, bonus points if you sell TV rights to actual businessmen with fiscal ecumen and let clubs build modern stadiums. Oh, my. <laughs> He's funny it's dig. true. Elite dig there. Oh. <laughs> now, they didn't Jerry respond to that, gonna... did they? <laughs> Our friend uh, Jerry is nominating uh, Menez underscore... 18. Let's skip that one. We're going to skip that one? It's a dig at a person, so we're not going to do that one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on. Michael Lisi on this one, and it's uh, Roman Atalanta fighting over who's shittier at home. <laughs> <laughs> not too bad. <laughs> not too bad. Okay. At uh, Dan Colosimo, at Delo, it, it's Dan Colosimo, if, if you spell out the Twitter handle. I uploaded a video of Udoji since he went to Spurs, and the monetization was somehow claimed by FC Barcelona with zero Barca clips in the video. These guys need more money than I thought. So this is the video. This is why Tottenham signed Destiny Udoji, and it was claimed by FC Barcelona. <laughs> you will not celebrate. Oh, that's <laughs> Wow. That's messed up. That's messed up. They're stealing money good. out of this dude's pocket. Yeah, oh, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, they're going to have a huge transfer window if that's what they're doing to raise funds then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A good content creator there. So. We've got uh, at Sydney Diogu saying, Bramer has been fantastic against his former club. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. UEFA, UEFA, when the UEFA officials try to enter the Champions League draw from four. Our friend <laughs> Napoleon Ismo at it again. That's awesome. <laughs> this is great. All right. And then uh, is this the last one? Yes. Finally, uh, at no context footy, um, he, he, somebody had put together, uh, let's see. U.S. men's national team. Yes. U.S. men's national team. Coleslaw. This lineup is significantly better. <laughs> and it's got all the Americans with Kvaratskhelia on the left wing. Oh, man. <laughs> Read the comment. Read the comment. He's from the Republic of Georgia, Georgia. not the state of Georgia. <laughs> that is beautiful. Oh, I love that. Alex Calabresi. Oh, that's that's the winner for me. <laughs> that is fantastic. All right. I think but do we give Alex do we give Alex the credit for we give Alex Calabresi the credit for that, right? Uh, yeah, he, it's yeah. I I it's his. I, I think I think he's the one who gets the credit for it. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I, I imagine Cole Cole Slaw is probably gonna say, Oh, I did this on purpose, but you know he did on purpose. He he didn't know what he was doing. He said, Georgia, oh yeah, yeah. He's he's American. All right, I'm I'm putting that in now. Oh my goodness. All right, anything else you guys want to say to the people before we uh 
sign out of here? Um, I got nothing. I mean, honestly, uh, I got nothing until Inter win a game again. <laughs> Elon can't be criminal, so I got nothing. Might not be till well, no. Uh, you have uh, Bologna. you play Bologna tomorrow. Bologna tomorrow. They're, they're, they're on a they're on a little hot streak. Bologna. Arnautovic. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's see, and I'll tag you guys in on this. I think that um, I think Inter will be fine in that game. It's I mean Bologna will will absorb. It's going to be another. I, I think that Inter have more possession in that game. Yeah. But eke it out. Um, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a two-one win tomorrow, Alex. You'll feel good about that. You'll take. I'm going to go. I'm not going to predict a win, and unless until they win again, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go one-nil Bologna. Yep. Okay. I picked you guys for a Derby d'Italia, so I'll pick you guys again against. Thank the you. Wolves, so cheers. <laughs> the, uh, the 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 curse. Alex is picking us against Cremonese. We're picking Inter. So I, I might I might have to, but I think it only works when I bet money. So I might have to bet money on Bologna, and there if you you, that's the sacrifice I have to make for an Inter, you win. What to win? <laughs> yeah, that's the sacrifice I have to make. I'm going to do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that puts a bow on this edition of City uh, Sit Down. Uh, shameless plug time, Alex. Anything? Um, it was, I, I do. I do a lot of uh, of college football and NFL content. So, for anybody in here who's into the old uh, pigskin, you can uh, please support uh, my main uh, podcast that I do on American football is Locked On Canes. Try to ignore the fact that the Miami Hurricanes are a complete dumpster fire of a team right now, and just watch <laughs> my content and support it. Okay, let's do that. Excellent. Excellent. Richard? I was going to give a shout-out to Camlink, but their shit system doesn't seem to work for me anymore, so I'm on my laptop, so I'm not going to give them a plug. Uh, so I'm going to give Football Manager a plug because the game just came out today, and I'm probably going to be playing that and not doing my work like I'm supposed to, so shout-out to Football <laughs> Manager. Do you guys play uh, FIFA or uh, or eFootball? I play a little eFootball. I, I probably I probably suck, so if, if anyone like wants to play me for real, just you, you're going to kick my ass. I, I, I play Xbox. I don't know. If, if anyone wants like my gamer tag, message me privately. You can kick my ass in eFootball. I only play eFootball now because I guess Inter are not in FIFA this year. They're like generic this year, so I, I switched to eFootball. So here there we are. Go. There you go. I have um, – I'm waiting to get a PlayStation 5 at this point. Frank has a PlayStation 1. I gave up. I have up a, no, I have a you, three. I have a honestly, three. Believe it or not, unless you're like, and because I used to be a PlayStation guy, I went cheap and I bought the Xbox Series S, which is two hundred dollars cheaper. You just need to get like external storage space because it doesn't store a whole lot of games. It's all digital. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy with it, but like I know some people like I, I I'm too shitty at video games to care if I'm playing an Xbox or a PlayStation. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm just suck. But I used to always like I had the PlayStation three and four. I couldn't get a PlayStation 5, and I really wanted to play some new games. So I got the Xbox Series S, and I like it a lot. I'm mm. on PC now. I used to, I gave up on that stuff. So yeah, mm. yeah. We're we're. I'm waiting. To, I have a, I have a three, and my son is happy playing the older FIFA games that I have. So mm-hmm. so we'll just we'll just do that. So sitting um, I sit down. We have our own podcast, or we have our own channel, I should say, on Apple Podcast, SoundCloud. Uh, you can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts. There is Sedia Sit Down at Sedia Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, go there. Uh, give us comments, takes, questions, anything for future uh, episodes. Please uh, let us know. You can also find us on Facebook too uh, at r underscore k h a r m a n for Richard at Alex Don't Know for Alex at ftc underscore twenty one for me. Um, 
give us a follow. If uh, you're watching this for the first time, please subscribe. Uh, please drop a like uh, and also hit that notification bell so that you know when we are live again. So one more of these gentlemen, and then we can take a break for a month or maybe a month and a half or something like that. That's probably the one perk of having a World Cup in the winter is that we're going to get a little break and we'll be able to spend holidays with our families. Yeah, of course, we're all – and this is what I tell people because in reality, just between the three of us, I'm I'm boycotting this World Cup because the Azzurri aren't in it. But I tell people I'm boycotting the World Cup because of the awful treatment of the people of Qatar. So it's yes, – I'm, I'm a humanitarian. I'm That's why I'm boycotting this World Cup. As is okay. the podcast. No, I don't know. Okay. And then when I see your first tweet about the U.S. national team, I said I'll th- I'll I'll be, re- I'll be quick to reply. It's like I'm a terrible American. I'm not I'm not into it. I just like I, I grew up I grew up on the Azzurri. Like I, I'll be happy if, if the USA if they make a deep run, I'll be happy for them. But it's not yeah. it's not really my team. I'm getting my I'm getting my I'm still trying to get my head around the idea that there's a, a World Cup in November and December. It's just crazy. Weird. So yeah. Anyway, so thank you all, chat. Excellent stuff. Great to see you all. Great to hear from you. Um, And uh, uh, for Richard, for Alex, for me, uh, thank you all. This is Serie A Sit Down, a podcast of World Football Index. And as always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao.